MS-376. I am so glad they didn't have those things when my kids were growing up. You're always wondering out there, oh gosh, that's my kid again. Yeah, it's my grandson out there. That just passes down. So you look out here and you're thinking, oh my goodness. And everybody else is thinking, oh, it's his again. It's his kid again. So now we put it up on screen so you can know that. Uh, those of you that have been coming for the last four or five weeks, we've been covering this series uh, that we decided we wanted to stop, pause for a minute, and really dive into the whole circle of forgiveness. The circle of forgiveness actually has three spokes to this circle. And, uh, and we wanted to make sure that we did not leave anything untouched in this area so that we could walk away with a restored body of believers. Uh, I don't know if you uh, are agreeing with me on this, but I, I think when the Proverbs says that uh, a house that is full of all kinds of riches and all kinds of things to do, but uh, basically has stake and everything, but the relationships are out of order, it's just troubling. But blessed is even the home where there's just vegetables to eat, but harmony and peace reside within that home. Uh, I, I think, as I think back of all the things in my life, I've had a lot of different pains in my life, but nothing so affects you and grabs you like the pain of somebody hurting you or you hurting another person. And until relationships get restored, sometimes it's just really uncomfortable. And so we uh, touched on that in, in the first uh, week, the the topic was, why in the world should you forgive? Now, everybody in here gets angry. And, and I think we started out the series, didn't we have Steve saying, is it, is it bad to be mad? And we realized that there's nothing wrong with anger. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. And, uh, but to let anger turn into bitterness where it roots itself in bitterness, now it has the potential, it says, to cause all kinds of trouble in relationships. And so it says, don't let the sun go down. Don't enter into bitterness where bitterness will follow this channel down to resentment, to ungratefulness, to revenge and vengeance, all the way down to even death of relationships and deep within their depression. It says that bitterness will rot the bones. That, that terrible translation, the bones is, for all the doctors that are in here, the bones literally mean the physical substance will become ill with bitterness. And so there's reasons to forgive. Uh, we also found out later on that, that Satan uh, has, gets permission to actually torment, to, to send arrows of torment towards you and your family when we remain in a state of bitterness. So we want to make sure, we want to know, how do you forgive then? Then we touched on all the excuses and reasons we won't forgive. And there were some great ones. I don't know if you were like me when I went through the 13 excuses. Didn't you find yourself almost in every one of them at some time? like oh it's too big of a fence oh they'll do it again they didn't agree they did it they haven't apologized I mean we went through all the different things and we found there was no reason good enough to not extend forgiveness then we went into the area of of how do you forgive a lot of times in our religious community in our Christian community we just say things like well Stuart just forgive them and we go on like that's enough and yet people know what does it mean how do you what do you mean forgive them I guess I'll try to forgive them and we talked about, and Pat went last week into the fact that, that we have been forgiven unbelievable things that we have no idea the offense that we have caused against an incredible God. And yet he's extended forgiveness to us and took on the cross for yours and my sins. And so therefore when somebody offends you, you simply are sharing in that suffering that happened to him 2,000 years ago. 
And because you embrace the forgiveness, because you embrace the reconciliation that God has made with you, you and I now become tabernacles or containers uh, that God's life and love can flow through us and be extended out to other people and draw people, draw people to themselves. Pat ran out of time, so he didn't get time to talk about one of the ways that 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 key is unlocked is so often when we are hurt, so often when somebody troubles us or hurts somebody we really love, we will go ahead and say the forgiveness, but then it's almost like that. I'm just not going to talk to him. And God said, never return insult for insult. Never pull away your relationship and and get kind of like this to people. But instead, become a blessing to that person. Give a blessing as though it never took place. And we found out that you and I can't do this. This is an impossible thing. Over the six weeks, I have had stories from a lot of the people. A lot of you come up and tell with me some of the hurts that you went through. And I, I don't know how in the world we make it in this planet. And yet we have a God that has become a God of reconciliation. So my first reaction is not to bless somebody after being hurt. It is to return an insult, especially when I get an opportunity to do so. Somebody says something negative about that guy, and you want to say, I have a story. I'd like to. So instead of saying, wait, instead of saying, I have a story, how do I return and speak well of this person in light of what they did? And we came to the conclusion no human being, no man or woman sitting in here or standing here can do it. It's an impossible thing for you to do. God wants you to know try all you want, you will fail. You cannot do this. He said, only God can forgive. So God, as I vacate in my own self and my own desires, my own self, and say, God, occupy this body. Would you occupy this body, and let's be an extension together to pour forth love and forgiveness to other people. Then, and only then, is it possible that I can extend that. So you have the fact that you have been forgiven. I have been forgiven. If you don't know how much you've been forgiven, <coughs> uh, it'll slowly awaken you as you get older and older. You notice even when the th- stones were thrown, when, uh, when the lady was caught in adultery, and he said, whoever has sinned, uh, cast the first stone. The old people left early. I was uh, walking out downtown uh, this week, and uh, one, I don't know if you're here or not, but there was a person that comes here all the time and says, boy, you get blatantly honest about stuff up here, don't you? And I, and I realized, yeah, because these messages have to apply here. They have to apply here first and, until they can begin to become alive out there. And so sometimes you just don't want to bless that person. And you don't want to be a blessing. But the fact that I am realizing how much I have offended God, I'm just not very slow. I'm fairly quick to forgive another person's offenses because of what's been forgiven me. Next, we're going to talk about is uh, how do you restore relationships? Broken relationships are just absolutely one of the most painful things in this planet. What can you and I do that on our part to make possible an atmosphere of restoration to take place? By the way, let me make sure you don't hear me say something I'm not saying. Two things. You have been offended, hurt, abused, whatever has happened to you, continually, continually over and over again, even though we are embracing and telling you to be an extension of God's forgiveness over and over again, 
We're not asking you to place yourself in that atmosphere again to get abused again and again and again. We're not saying that. We're saying just simply be an extension of forgiveness and let the Holy Spirit decide what you should do with that. Second thing is nobody in here can restore, reconcile relationships. Because I can, I, Gloria, I can go ahead and go to Gloria after I've hurt her and maybe uh, said something horrible of her reputation. I can go to her and, and tell her I'm sorry and, and restore that relationship and restore that, what I've said. But we're not reconciled unless Gloria responds to God to reconcile with me. Does that make sense? But it says, as far as it depends upon all of you, be at peace with all men. Seek peace at all crossroads to have a reconciled relationship. I know in a group of this and the 9 o'clock service, we have a lot of relationships in here that are not reconciled. They're not restored. So how do you do this? We're going to look at that today and look at the fact that you have been called for this. In Ephesians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and on, it says, All things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself, not counting the wrongs against them, and he has committed to us this word of reconciliation. So I beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And walking over here for the 9 o'clock service, I was wondering, why did he emphasize being reconciled to God after he talked about the whole relationship with people? And I was brought to 1 John where John says the apostle that Jesus loved, and he said that if you're reconciled to God, you will automatically reconcile with people. You cannot be reconciled with God and not be reconciled with people. It doesn't happen. So if you are not reconciled, that means restored, uh, together with, united with relationship and not holding anything against people, you cannot have that reconciliation that God has given you. Although it's been given you, you don't get to experience it. And on the same thing, if I'm finding myself distant with God, I usually check, is there somebody that I'm not reconciled with. Something, somebody either I have offended, grossly offended, and I haven't gone to them. Now, this get, got quiet the first service when I shared what I'm about to share. A lot of times when we have been told, okay, now that you've come to understand God's forgiveness to you, will you be an extension of God's forgiveness to others? And then search yourself and see if there's something you've done that has harmed somebody else or that you've stolen something from somebody else. And normally when that's said, we always go straight to some type of material thing we've stolen. We stole money. Uh, we stole some type of uh, boundary lines. And they used to in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, when somebody died, they'd quickly go out and move the stake over so they could get more land for their self. They said, don't do that. And then when they were restored, they'd walk back and say, I'm really, really sorry, and they'd pick up the stake, and they'd say, you have this much property, and they'd go ahead and nail it down. They were making right. But here's one of the things that I believe we as a body of people do not do well. Matter of fact, I am sometimes appalled at all of us, me included here. We steal people's name. We grossly uh, belittle a person's character. We steal their reputation by little things that we say. And oh yeah, we have a way of doing it by just saying, bless his soul, but did you know? 
And then we tell this horrible story about the person. And, and then when, when you come to being reconciled with God, God will say, hey, go make right with Dale what you need to make right. Because I told Dale something about belittling Tom's character. So we think, we go to Dale, we say, Dale, I was really wrong. I should have never opened my mouth about those things about Tom that he did. That doesn't reconcile Tom's reputation, did it? It actually made me look better. Oh, isn't that Bill? Isn't he wonderful? He came and apologized. Tom's character still destroyed. The word literally means make right restoration, that I would basically go, I don't have to go to Tom, but I would go to Dale and say, Dale, I was absolutely wrong in that. I spoke, not only did I speak in, in, uh, inappropriate about Tom, I misled this man of God. And I would then build up Tom to build his reputation back up. Does that make sense? So that the reputation actually is in a better place than it was before we started. That's what it says in Proverbs 3. Whenever it's within your ability to do good, that means to speak well of a person, to make that person lifted up better than when I had contact. So if I visit with Dale, his image of Tom ought to be better after we visit rather than worse. That makes sense? So some of you, when we're done today, you may have to do some restoring. You may have to watch and look at what comes out of you. The scripture, and, and by the way, it's not conjured up by what somebody's telling you you need to do. Oh, we have this teaching going across today and all kinds of different uh, psychologies and things that are saying, all right, now you've been hurt, you found out your parents have hurt, I want you to go to your parents and I want you to tell them how bad they were. That isn't biblical at all. Does that build up or restore? No, they can forgive parents, but that isn't what God says to do. So how in the world do we go ahead and walk into restoring? Now, first thing I'm going to talk about is the fact that when, you, when it's brought to your remembrance, and by the way, the Holy Spirit is really good at doing this. If you will simply say, Holy Spirit, search me and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts and my behaviors, show me if there's anybody that I have offended, whether it be their reputation, their name, or whatever it might have been, some hurt or some abuse that I have done, would you bring that to remembrance? You don't have to think very long. It's quick. And somebody's going to come to your mind and probably already is while I'm talking. And when it comes to your mind, then there's a thing that we're a process and a pattern we're supposed to go through that I have offended. But I would need to go to that person then, and this is what it basically says, sharing the least amount of details that needs to be shared and never making excuses. Stuart, I just need to apologize for what I said about you. But you know, if you don't say those things like that, it won't happen very often. Okay, that doesn't an apology. If you weren't such this kind of a deal, that wouldn't happen so much. Basically, go and say, I was wrong for hurting you. Would you forgive me? I want to do what I can to make the possibility, the atmosphere right, so that restoration can be made. There was a story that I've got permission to share with you. Uh, this guy and Jim and Bob, uh, that's not their names, uh, but they, they worked together. They absolutely were incredible working partners. And Bob began to walk after the flesh. More and more did he walk after the flesh. And he kept, 
embezzling things from his, in, uh, his boss. And, and, and Jim wasn't aware of some of this, but the more the embezzling and walking in the flesh led to uh, his lust and his appetites coming out in all kinds of ways, this person began to do all kinds of things that would tear down the business. Not only the business, but would tear down Jim's name to the community in the business. So much so that almost destroyed their family. The offenses were so gross, and what had happened, it was just amazing that how in the world could you walk through this? Finally, it was found out the person was fired, and the person began to run and leave. And, and as they, he ran and, and Bob ran and left this person, he would belittle his name and talk horrible of his name for firing him. Never told him all the things he had done. And Jim basically just kept kind of quiet about the deal and let him go. Jim went through and did what Pat talked about last week. Jim extended forgiveness, became the instrument of God to extend forgiveness, knowing that I or that Jim had done this many things against God. So he was released from that. Years went by. The gross sinful living continued it's like just kind of like pig pen it just smoke followed this person wherever he went and left the debris of broken relationships six years seven years ten years twelve years but the forgiveness had been extended and had let him know that it was extended and it haunted Bob he, he said, as far as I tried to get away from it, it, would, it was like I was right there in your presence. And it haunted him and haunted him. And he would said, I couldn't hide anywhere. I would go to gross sin. It wouldn't help. I would, I would go into a chapel. It wouldn't help. And I was haunted until finally this process of reconciliation came to him. And this person called me and said, would you forgive me for what I did to your reputation, your name? I will do whatever I can to make right what I can. And of course, Jim received the forgiveness, received the, uh, the in invite, and this person began to become transformed. More years went by, and the relationship began to grow. And what happened in this relationship was exactly what we've been talking about, is I do not believe any relationship is unrestorable. They all can be restored. What that means might be uniquely different for each of you, some of you might say, well, I'm not, I just, I'm not an angry kind of person. No, but you're cold. You get cold and you get distance from people, and that's how you control your anger. And God's saying, I don't want you cold. I want you to return a blessing. The end of forgiveness, the scripture says, is never return insult for insult. Don't do evil for evil, but give a blessing instead. Give a blessing instead of uh, evil. Therefore, you will be called for the very purpose that you will begin to inherit the blessing. And talking to Jim, I said, Jim, when you just continually reached out and blessed this person for all the things they did wrong, how did, that, how did you make it through it? He said, oh. The verse in, second, in, in 1 Peter 3 says that never returning insult for insult, but a blessing instead so that you were called for this very reason that you might inherit a blessing. He said, I inherited the very presence of the holy God flowing through me like burning fire in my bones. It was unbelievably intimate and poured that through him. As he extended blessing, he began to experience God in a way that like people were envious and said, well, what an incredible thing to return a blessing. 
instead of returning insult or using opportunity to speak evil. This person, Bob, his name would come up now and then in the circles of the debris that was left there. Jim, every opportunity his name came up, didn't speak out. You guys, that was nothing compared to what happened to me. He just spoke well of him. He said, that man is one of the most mature men I've ever seen. That person had within him to come and apologize and make right. His entire life has been transformed, and I trust that man more than almost anybody I know on the planet. He just kept speaking well of him. Long, not long ago, I visited with them, and I said, what's that relationship like now? One night they were traveling on a road trip. They happened to be in the same town, so they said, you want to get together and let's share a room? So they shared a room. Laying there in bed, Jim asked Bob after all of this mess, and he said, Bob, do you have any close relationships where you live now? And Bob says, yeah, I've developed a lot of close relationships, but nothing like our relationship, which really confused Jim because Jim said, ours, I hardly ever see you. How can I be your best relationship? said, because you know everything that I did down to the nitty-gritty, and you have still forgiven me and loved me. And the love of God has become so real for that that I am ever grateful. So the relationship began to be restored. I just encourage you guys today, if there's somebody that's brought to mind that you have offended, don't wait. Go to them. It is not worth the bitterness that you can roll into and then follow the ladder their bitterness goes down into resentment. And you're the one that suffers. Now, once you go, let's say that Bob had came to Jim and Bob asked and said, would you forgive me for all of these hurts that I did against you? Now, Bob is reconciling the best that he can to be at peace with Jim, but now it's up to Jim to respond to God or not, whether he'll forgive or not. It isn't up to you when you go to the person to make the relationship restored. After the first service, I was walking my wife back over the house, and I said, you know what? I have a horrible hard time with broken relationships, and I want to mend them so bad that sometimes I try so hard to do their part. I don't like that I've offended somebody or hurt somebody, so I go and I say, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry I offended you. And they're not responding by saying, oh, I forgive you. They didn't say anything like that. But more accurately, well, I was hoping you were noticing you were wrong. Now, evil for evil wants to come up. But instead, blessing. And so, in terms of saying, okay, where do we go? What do we do from here? As, as, as I was walking over there, I realized, you know what? I just care too much about this. But the Bible says in Matthew 25 that once you go ahead and find that they've brought you remembrance that you have offended somebody and you have harmed somebody and they are aware of it, go to that person and do what you can. And then it says, hand them over to the judge. Who is the judge? And he will hand them over to the officer of the court, who is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will now begin to work in their life to cause them to become an extension of forgiveness so that they might come into harmony and reconciliation with God and with other people. Your job's done when you hand them over. Does that make sense? You don't, you don't and you can't make the relationship better. 
They may go on their whole life bitter at you, but you can be free. You can be free. All I'm challenging you to do today is set the atmosphere. It says, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. Do your part. Go extend. And let God be in charge of what they do or not. Another thing, when you steal property, we've talked about that, but when somebody steals a person's name, the, the word in 2 Timothy says, when somebody steals a person's name or starts to talk about this person, the word there says, flee from, refuse. When I looked it up, it literally means excuse oneself from this conversation. So if I'm sitting here talking to Tom about something negative about Dale or talking to Dale about something negative about Tom, Dale ought to excuse by himself from that conversation. We do it when we have to go to the bathroom. Excuse me, I've got to go to the restroom. Not near as important as this. Excuse, excuse me. Excuse oneself. When I ask people, many times I do, I ask people, uh, what has held you back from following the Christian life? It's never really been Christ. It's been the broken relationships that his body have with one another. Somebody sins, they hold it against them the rest of their life. We want a tattoo. We, want, we like tattoos. We're in today's tattoos, but we don't get creative with all the unique ones. We just tattoo on their foreheads what they did wrong. We want everybody to never forget it, what you've done wrong. I want you to pause for a minute, and I want you just to go ahead and with me, just ask the Holy Spirit to search you. See if there is somebody that you have offended with your tongue, You've, you've belittled their character or you have hurt just outwardly by something you've done against them. See if the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance somebody that you have hurt. Now, with that information that's there, whatever God put on your heart, I encourage you, don't let the sun go down on it. Today is the day, and the day is the hour. Basically, when it is within your ability, go to that person and ask, tell them, confess to them what you did wrong, not the excuses of why you did it, what you did wrong to them, and ask to be forgiven. Whether they forgive you or not, leave alone. Go to Matthew 25 and say, God, I now hand this person up to the judge. I expect you to put him in the officer of the court, the Holy Spirit's care, and you put on his heart whether he should respond or not. That isn't my job. And leave it there. The last part that I think is really abused in our church, and then we'll be very quick with this, and that is the part that we have called church discipline. By the way, that does not exist in the Bible, the church discipline. That word isn't in the Bible. We've, religious people have made it up. What it literally says in, in Galatians and all the different verses, it says this, when you see a brother or a sister caught in a trespass, not that they sin, they're caught in it. It's like I uh, used to trap, I'll get people not like me, but I used to trap and I'd come and see a mink in the trap and it was this trap, it was holding like this, it was caught, it couldn't get out of it. When you see a sister or brother caught in a trespass, 
you yourself go personally, secretively, throw a cloak of silence over what you see. Don't tell everybody else what were you doing. And we like this. Dave, pray for me. I am going to go talk to Tom about that thing he did. That's not secretly. That's not covering. It says with a cloak of silence put over it. So I go, and if I was going to go to Tom, I would go to him secretly. And it says always, always, always go in a spirit of gentleness for the purpose of restoring a relationship between them and God and them and you. Many times it's because you probably or might have heard this incorrectly. If they do not respond, then I would bring somebody. I might go to Dave and say, Dave, can you come with me? I have seen something that I think Tom's caught in. There's a trespass he's caught in. And my, my care for him of where this might lead, can you come with me? The purpose, it says, is to go to Tom, visit with Tom, so that Dave might see that Tom is in the right, and I saw it inaccurately. That's the purpose. Boy, have we been taught this differently, haven't we? And then it says, if, if he has, and it is true, and Dave confirms that this is, then we privately visit with Tom so that he can be brought to a place of reconciliation. We just don't do this anymore. By the way, did you notice it didn't tell you, go talk to your pastor so he can do this? Steve, Pat, me, Mike, Tom, we shouldn't be the ones that are doing it. You do it when it's brought to your remembrance. What we have taught people is, Dale comes to his remembrance that something's happened, that Steve did something, so he tells me, you better confront Steve. That isn't the biblical pattern. The Bible says, if you don't use the biblical pattern in a spirit of gentleness, do not confront. Did you hear that? Do not confront if you're not going to follow the pattern that God has laid out for us. The purpose is that we would be a restored body so that the world that drives by and looks at him says, did you see how so-and-so hurt so-and-so and they're embraced together? I saw them the other night at a movie together. How do they do this? Because the world can't comprehend this type of forgiveness. It's a miracle. It's heavenly. So I want, as we close here, I want you just to be still. As Steve comes up and closes, I want you just to deal with this as God leads on your heart to deal with it. And next week we'll wrap up the area of forgiveness. Would we be still for a minute while Steve comes up? You know, the uh, first service, Bill asked me to close, and all I could say was amen uh, after the silence. And, and uh, what God really put on my heart here is just out of the book of Romans, chapter 5. And I just want to read this scripture to you. It's familiar to all of us in so many different ways. But 5, verse 8 says, God demonstrates his love toward us. And I'm going to say it um, toward me, but I'll say it toward you. Okay? God demonstrates his love toward you. That while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Much more, much more. Having been justified by his blood, you're saved 
from the wrath of God through him. No more wrath for you. No more wrath because of Jesus Christ. What an incredible thing we have. And he goes on and Paul says, if while you were enemies with God, you were enemies with God, you were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more now, having been reconciled, you shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but you also exalt in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom you have now received the reconciliation. Think through the process. You were enemies of God. You were saved by Jesus Christ. You were spared from the wrath of God. You are restored to a relationship of peace with Almighty God. That's who you are. And that God who reconciled you as a believer lives in you. He lives in you. He is with you. And all we're doing is surrendering to him and allowing him to live through us. That's the gospel. The gospel is more than just being saved by faith. It's living out the amazing truth that Christ is in us. And that's what we get to share with others. It's a picture we're going to see today, that new life through baptism, and we invite you to join us down by the creek as there's some who have just chosen to step forward and, and physically take that step. And, uh, and, and I just challenge you to really think through the process of those who God has placed on our hearts and just ask him how he wants to, through you, share his reconciliation. Thanks, Tommy. You guys would stand with me. We're going to just sing the first verse to Someday I'll Rise Up. sure to meet us down by the creek to watch the baptism and do the barbecue. We'll do barbecue stuff. Okay, God bless. Have a great week.